Greetings, everyone. Hey, how you doing? It's Matt Sella. And today, I am doing a very special first episode review of Disney Plus's premiering content of The Mandalorian, Chapter 1. And joined here from a galaxy far, far away, it's Mark. How you doing out there, Mark? Well, Matt, we're coming at you live here from the Bunta Eve Classic on Tatooine, and it appears I'm on the wrong planet. Oh, goddamn. What planet are you on? Oh. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, I'm I'm on um I'm on Tatooine. Oh, okay. I was gonna say you don't even know what planet you're on? You're screwed, pal. There's a lot of planets in this galaxy, Matt. And so many of them are sandy. And evidently they only have one environment type. It's a it's kind of more of a holdover from a fantasy sort of thing, but yeah. All right, folks, so I know you came here to hear us talk about The Mandalorian, but this is a single episode that we're talking about here. We're not talking about an entire season, for obvious reasons. Yeah, because of the release. So keep in mind, folks, this will be a spoiler review, much like how Mark and I do the DuckTale episodes as they are released. So take it away, Mark. Why don't you let the folks know a quick synopsis of what this episode was all about? All right, folks, we're going to come at you with a little bit of a audio opening title crawl matt give me a little uh give me a little something uh star warsy in the background there just do a uh, improv it the mandalorian after the stories of Django and boba fett another warrior emerges in the star wars universe the mandalorian is set after the fall of the empire and before the emergence of the first order we follow the trials of the lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic! Wow, that sounds amazing, dude. You're a regular John Williams, Matt. Yeah, I kind of trailed off at the end. <laughs> so yeah, that's the basic little rundown for those of you who are interested in the series. The series itself, of course, has a bit of a historic uh, development cycle, I suppose you could say, with uh, dating all the way back to, heck, even uh, an earliest, at least, concept of it, you know, back in 2012 back when the, the series was titled or would have been titled and been very different Star Wars Underworld, for those of you who don't know. And um, yeah, and of course, uh, we would be remiss to say the showrunner of Mr. John Favreau, if I think who uh, Matt, safe to say we are fans of his work for the most part. For the most part, yeah. And chapter one, not episode one, chapter one, because we're a fancy grown-up show, folks is directed by Mr. Dave Filoni, who Star Wars fans and even maybe some animation fans will know. It was the spear hunt runner behind such shows in the Star Wars universe as uh, the Clone Wars and uh, the Re Rebels, you know, both uh, very successful in their own right. Fascinating. So we start, of course, on an ice planet because we got plenty of those too. And uh, we find ourselves faced with the most horrifying monster imaginable, Matt. What's that? Space walruses. Oh, no! I was going to make a joke about that one kaiju from the godzilla series that's a walrus but i can't remember that guy's name to save my life are you referring to the behemoth no it's not it was he's a he's a showa era monster actually oh okay i gotta dig real back to find that yeah no he's an obscure one and i you know i regret it but you know what it's out there now so if you, if you know if you out there at home would like to play the guess that walrus monster game type in the chat now and um matt uh that probably brings us to a subject we could talk about right off the bat then. Uh, CGI, a little hit or miss. Uh, how do you feel for it as a TV series? Where were your thoughts on that in a way that it was implemented? Well, personally for me, folks, is I'm very particular about CGI and films and such. And because I'm an animator and I kind of deal in somewhat similar vein of things, I have a tendency to spot the imperfections in CGI. And so I understand that this is a television show. I get that. But I think Disney also spent like, what, over $100 million on this show? This is a pretty pricey show. One of the most expensive shows ever produced, I think. But for the most part, I actually kind of thought the CGI was kind 
kind of generic and not great. And I don't, I think it really depends on what platform you watch this on. Like if you're watching on your phone or on a plane or a tablet, you probably won't really notice. I was watching on a fairly decent HD TV and because of that TV size, I kind of noticed the imperfections and the muddiness of some of the characters as well as some of the animation and some of the more fleshy alien creatures. But it, it was mostly missed for me, but I was kind of able to get over that pretty quickly. Mm, yeah, I kind of came at it more of as, as a TV show. It wasn't bad in, for my standards, but um, I, it, there were some shots. Um, It was a little bit with the walrus, not so much for me as for you, but uh, for some of it, it was actually some of the ways the... Uh, I forget their names, but the piranha dinosaur creatures were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah, were a no. couple shots where there I was like, ooh, that looks pretty good. And then there were a few shots where I was like, ooh, maybe not. Yeah, right. But uh, interesting little tidbit, Matt, if you're interested. Apparently uh, done uh, by a subsidiary of ILM out of uh, London. And it's, I believe, they will be working extensively on the live action Star Wars series stuff. So a, a bit of a new studio, even if it is a subsidiary. But apparently, Unreal Engine was used to create the digital backgrounds of this series. You know, it's kind of funny. I remember seeing an article or something. They're talking about how, at least I think it was with Unity, that they're trying to actually use it for not gaming, but for like 3D animation rendering, like a Pixar short or something like that. So with the growth of like Unreal and Unity and various game engines like that, I wouldn't be surprised if more studios end up using that as a means to like render out their stories and ideas. Mm-hmm. It's, so this could be a very interesting little benchmark for us, I think we could say. And I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, I think I read somewhere, if also John Favreau used a bit of that uh, digital camera technology he had for, you know, a Flying King and Jungle Book. He seems very passionate about that one. I mean, that's one of his biggest strengths as a director. He has the tools. Oh, yeah, he has the tools. Oh, but speaking of tools, for all you Star Wars fans out there, the Mandalorian has this cool, shocking gun stick thing that, again, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, but actually, you know what? There's a lot of references to the freaking uh, holiday special in this episode. Life Day? Life Day, the Shocky Stick. Uh, even those piranha dinosaurs, I forget their names, are uh, from, a, I think, a Caravan of Courage, one of the Ewok specials, which I'm a little sad isn't in Disney+. Plus. I guess, you know, it's not canon anymore, but they could have, you know, under the Star Wars section, maybe. Like the Legends. Yeah, like, I, I would like a Legends category, I think. Kind of like how... Um, I don't know. Like if we're, well, we'll save that for I guess when we're talking about the Disney Plus experience, maybe later in another video. But uh, yeah, so there's some fun Easter eggs in here. The Mandalorian uh, captures his bounty of a blue fish creature, which I'm assuming is played by John Favreau. Was it? Because I kind of got that vibe. At least through his voice work and a little bit of the structure of his face, I figured that was either a Favreau cameo. I don't know what Taika Waititi was. Taika Waititi, I believe, is the droid. Okay, yeah, yeah. No. Looking back now, I hear it. I hear the voice now. After seeing Jojo Rabbit, I can hear it. <laughs> and so, after successfully completing his bounty of Mr. Bluefish and doing the classic, though, I mean, it was kind of a... I'm a little surprised it's a bit of an industry standard now, although I guess it's in the future. Freezing him in carbonite. Our Mandalorian, with no name, wah, 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 takes up a new bounty led by, given to him by Moff Gideon, a former governor of the Empire. And while teaming up with IG-11, a battle droid, not the same IG you might be thinking of from uh, Star Wars movies, folks, a different one, 
IG-88. That's what I kept thinking. Yeah, a lot of people. Well, it's I, 11. Yeah, uh, from IG-11, I almost said 88 there. I don't, uh, don't mind to interrupt you, but I will say when he first appeared on the show, I actually did get a little like creeped out by him only because I remember as a kid, I used to play Shadows of the Empire on the N64. And I think it was like level two or level three. You have to fight IG-88. And the way they illustrated him in the game and how hard he was in the game as a kid, he really freaked me out. Like I always thought he was a creepy droid design. He is an intimidating figure to be sure. And seeing him articulate in the show did not help. No, it does have a very... It's like a sentry. It is. On legs. And I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> oh, no. And after a big shootout, our target is revealed of who the Moff is hiring to kill. And it's a baby Yoda. Not the Yoda, but of his species. Yeah. Or the reincarnation of Yoda. Ah, you never know. <laughs> well, I feel like that doesn't work given the Force Ghost. And uh... I know, I know. I'm just trying to upset people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure someone's going to have a problem with something. Although he's technically not the first non-Yoda Yoda we've seen in Star Wars. So there is, it shouldn't be that big of a shock for people, I feel. Well, it's a first shock for a casual fan like me. I really haven't seen anything like that in a while. Baby Yodas are kind of cute. You know what they kind of look like? I was actually going to mention it real quick. I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, I believe that was a practical effect at first. Um, it's actually kind of funny. Uh, I know we're jumping ahead here on a little bit on the review here. We got to keep it tight. I know. I'm not a fan of the CGI. However, a lot of the practical effects and various creature designs they came up with, I'm actually a big fan of that because it really reminds me of the Muppet uh, Jim Hansen puppetry type thing. And I got a lot of the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance vibe from some of them. Very much a Hansen Creature Shop production. And I got that vibe a lot from like the Baby Yoda uh creature and i gotta give a quick shout out to the rancher i know that's not his name but that's why i called him uh played by nick nolte i think he was like my favorite thing in this episode i enjoyed him i love the way they rigged up the mouth had to move around and i kind of liked his he's on the fence of either being good or bad i suppose but his whole resolve of why he was helping out the mandalorian character and like the whole point of him like these guys came here they've been giving us nothing but trouble i have led many bounty hunters to try to get it they failed but i'm still gonna give you the benefit to try to take it out it's like why are you helping me why won't you take the reward or whatever he's like i just want peace man i was like you know something about that i respect oh actually you know what i owe an apology uh moff gideon was uh Oh, how do you pronounce Giancarlo? Giancarlo. Okay. Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, the person who sends him on the bounty hunt for the Yoda is simply known as the client played by Warner Herzog. That was my mistake. So get ready for those comments, folks. The the creatures in the bar that were practical effects, particularly for my taste, were phenomenal and even looked better than some of the practical effects I think we've seen in the movies, if I had to be blunt. But upon seeing the young Yoda, baby Yoda, and uh, being a foundling himself in Mandalorian culture, the Mandalorian spares the baby and kills IG-11 in cold motor oil. So foundling is kind of their way of saying orphan? Yeah, I've, I do remember something of that being in Mandalorian culture. Like, you can be a Mandalorian and not be from Mandalore. That's sort of the whole... That's some, We're getting into some legend stuff, if I'm not mistaken, at this point. And that's where it cuts. And actually, the credits have some very nice concept art. 
in them, I've personally found. What did you think of that, Matt? Was it concept art? It kind of looked like still shots with filters on them. I thought they were concept art, but it might be I'd have a smaller TV than yours, so maybe they were just filters, but I enjoyed them. No, I thought it was really interesting, the the whole episode. Um, Let me get through my pros real quick here. Oh, yes, please. So first things first is I really, uh, full disclosure for those who haven't followed me on the old channel before, might know this, I am not a big Star Wars fan to begin with. I like the idea as a kid. I thought the Sabres were cool and I liked the original trilogy, but I was a young kid and I enjoyed the prequels for what they were at the time. Uh, do they hold up well now? Of course not, but I still enjoyed them for whatever mess they were. And so as the new trilogy was going on with The Force Awakens, I enjoyed The Force Awakens, even though, yes, it's a retread of A New Hope. And I thought The Last Jedi was okay. But long story short, uh, uh, things weren't really going well with the overall plan at Disney. I wasn't sure what was really the end game here. And fans were kind of getting up in arms on both sides of the argument saying, this is good. This is bad. And I was like, this is not fun anymore. (laughs) So I pretty much roll with it now. It's like, I'll take whatever you give me and I'll see where it goes. So that being said, I was a little skeptical of the series and I thought the episode was overall decent, a little slow at the beginning, but it really picked up as it went. And so I think as I got closer to the finale, I started to get a bit more engaged as we started to get out of the whole like dead town setup with like scumbags running around and making deals for bounties. And I think I guess I just like the adventure aspect of Star Wars, not so much the underworld political or smuggler aspect of it. And so I think that's where my pros lie. The cons, however, I will say real quick here is I thought the opening scene had a really cheesy initiation. On the ice planet? Yes, because when the scene opens, like, okay, you got a couple of bounty hunters teaming up on the fishman guy. And then the Mandalorian comes in. Everyone's like looking at him and he just goes up to the bar and just stands there while the bartender's not even attending him. And the two other bounty hunters come in to like size him up and all that. And I was thinking to myself, is this Mandalorian putting on a show or something? Because he goes up to the bar. He doesn't even ask for anything. He just stands there. Everyone's just looking at him. I don't know. I just thought that was a really awkward setup. Like he was trying to bait everybody into like starting a ruckus. Now, I'm not saying I hated it. I'm just saying, like, I I had trouble taking this guy seriously, which I am happy that as the episode went on, he's not a perfect bounty hunter guy. He has flaws. And I like that. I did like that, too. It was a little weird at first, but I actually came to appreciate it. But more of the episode went on. But yeah, to conclude with my cons, though. uh, So yeah, aside from that scene, I did think the pacing in the beginning was a little slow. I thought the spacing of the sets were a little bigger and emptier than I would like. I wish it was a little bit more tighter. Again, as we get to the new planet where we meet the rancher character and all that, the sets started to become a little bit more tighter and tighter. And that's really essentially it. It's just... uh, CGI is not great, but I love the puppetry. And uh, as we actually got into the adventure aspect over like the whole like underworld crawling thing, that's when I started to get more engaged. And that is generally my opinion on the first episode. No, yeah, I think I'd have to echo some of your statements there, Matt. I don't think the CGI bothered me quite as much, but I do think there were some shots where it was very clearly noticeable. And I I was watching on, of course, a smaller screen than you, uh, just 
for the sake of the argument. But um, I think echoing uh, a lot of the things you said in the positives, I would say one thing I do think is a positive, and we've mentioned this before on your shows uh, prior, I'm, I'm a fan of spacing out the episodes. I know a lot of people probably aren't these day and age, but um, yeah, I was actually surprised it was only a 30 minute long episode, if I had to be honest with you. Yeah, it was like 30, 35 minutes. I was expecting about an hour, but I mean, I appreciate that it was well done and not an investment of my time. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have to book out a whole like day to binge through a whole series at, at you know, like kind of like sort of the Netflix thing. Cause like the problem is, you know, you just, everyone binges it and then we talk about it for a day and there's no relevancy really after that. And I'd be interested to see how this compares to say even uh season three of uh, stranger things in terms of where it stays in the pop culture, even though it is star Wars. I think that's an ongoing debate about that kind of stuff where it's like Netflix wants to retain its subscribers, but they batch release all these episodes. And after people see the batch, they unsubscribe from Netflix and come back after the new seasons drop. And with Disney Plus, I think they confirm that is that they want to do these episodical releases, which based off what you sent me, seems like they're going to have like a new episode like every Friday or something. So that's something to keep in mind. And personally, I kind of like this format as well, where we get one episode and we'll talk about it and move on. Not only does that mean more videos, but it also lets me evolve with viewers. So like if you guys agree with me or Mark or disagree with either one of us, and as the show goes on, maybe we'll grow or consider things that people in the comment section pointed out that we never considered before oh yeah and i think you know kind of putting a bow on it i mean that'll just make even the review of this series more interesting because it's not all you know in the heat of the moment we will have time to sit and you know really contemplate some things moving forward with this series i think exactly and i think it's gonna be very interesting considering that i am probably the least into star wars than you and i both and maybe even a few other people. So I'm really curious to see how this series will evolve to someone like me who's kind of super casual about the franchise that maybe it'll turn me around and get me more invested in the grand scheme of things. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I hear, I second that. But overall, I say I was fairly entertained. I had that little mermaid come up and say, yeah, I was entertained. But I didn't love it, but I didn't dislike it. I just enjoyed the pitch. I enjoyed the pitch. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the 15th, you know? Oh, no, Matt, they're coming for me. The bounty is on. I got to go. I'll see you all on the 15th for the chapter two. Take it away, Matt. Safe travels out there. And Godspeed. Let the force be with you. Uh, Live long and prosper and all that jazz. (laughs) And that'll do it for our Mandalorian review. You heard our opinions. Now I want to hear your opinion. Let us know in the comment section below. Have you seen the first episode? Did you like it? Did you not like it? What worked, what didn't work, share your thoughts, join the conversation. If you like reviews just like this, subscribe to my podcast channel and ring that bell to be notified when new videos drop, like this video. And if you want to support me directly, please go to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Matt Seller. Consider donating as little as a dollar a month will help go towards my podcast channel, art, animation, and content made just for you. This is Matt Seller, and out there is Mark, and thank you all for tuning in! (laughs) 